Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in Middle Eastern Studies. I'm Joshua Donovan, a host of the channel, and today we'll be talking to Ethan Menchinger about his new book, The First of the Modern Ottomans, The Intellectual History of Ahmed Vasif, uh, which has just come out through Cambridge University Press. Uh, Welcome, Dr. Menchinger. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. No problem. All right. So first, uh, we like to introduce the guests and have them tell us a little bit about their training and and about how they came to to write the book. Um, You have in the beginning of your book, this wonderful piece where you talk about meeting Ahmed Vasif for the first time. I was wondering if if you might share that uh, with your viewers and and how you came to write a book about him. Of course. Um, So first, maybe I should just say a little bit about who Ahmed Vasif was to start off. Um, so Vasif was uh, a major intellectual statesman uh, and historian in the 18th century Ottoman Empire. Um, the way that I came to meet Vasif uh, was as an undergraduate um, at the University of Toronto in about the year 2006 or 2007. Uh, I happened to pick up his chronicle and started reading it um, and was first drawn in by the fact that uh, well, or by, I was first drawn in by this interplay that I could see in the text between what you could say uh, was history and historiography. So Vasif uh, wrote himself into his own history in certain extended passages, uh, literally made himself one of the actors in parts of his history. And I was, I was really taken, uh, taken by that and wanted to explore it more. Um, as I moved on to graduate school in Ottoman history, and this was the project that I took to graduate school, uh, I became aware of just how very involved he was uh, at life at the Ottoman courts and also in, also in the Ottoman administration in the late 18th century in the, into the early years of the 19th century. Uh, and also that he's uh, really incredibly documented for someone of this period, uh, for someone who was not a grand vizier or a sultan. Uh, Vasif is really exceptional. Um, 
it's very rare that we can find the amount of documentation, not just his history, but also he had an embassy report. Um, there are, are more than 100 documents that I found on his life and career uh, in Istanbul, uh, and even his drafts and personal papers survive. Um, so he really did seem to uh, to lend himself uh, to well to doing to doing some sort of biography. It was a chance I couldn't pass up. Excellent. And uh, so on that note of biography, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit uh, to our viewers about uh, using biography as history, um, at least from my perspective, it, it seems to be a genre that was popular in Middle Eastern studies uh, a few decades ago, um, but it's it's uh, not quite as common perhaps as it used to be. So what uh, what what do you gain from using a, a, a biography? Uh, and how can that speak to these broader historical issues that you talk about in the book? Sure. Um, this is this is sort of the question of, is history serious biography, really? Um, uh, there seems to be some reticence about that for some historians. But I think, yes, uh, it can be serious history. Uh, I was never really interested in just writing um, about Vasif's life for the sake of writing about his life. Although... He is an, a really interesting character. Um, I think thoroughly despicable, actually. I don't really like him as a subject, um, and nor did his colleagues. Uh, but I was rather interested in using Vasif to try to write a deeper study of Ottoman thought, of Ottoman culture, uh, and of Ottoman society. So he's the subject of the book, for sure. Um, but I'm also using him sort of as a vessel. Uh, I argue in the book that Vasif is broadly representative uh, of a generation of Ottoman elites, uh, mainly scribes, uh, who were growing up in this growing up and well, growing into adulthood in the second half of the 18th century, and who were struggling to come to terms with certain things, mainly the empire's what they or at least what they saw as the empire's growing weakness, um, the challenge that European powers, especially Russia, were posing to the empire at the time. Uh, and they were struggling to find answers. Um, Vosif, uh, Vosif himself uh, allowed me to do this because uh, he wrote so extensively about many of these different issues in his work. Uh, but if I, if, I, if I could also say too and make the case, make the case for biography um, as as a, as, a, as a historical genre. Uh, quite frankly, I think that Vosif makes this sort of study much more readable. Um, Lives, lives give us a convenient uh, narrative framework, right? And ultimately, people like people like to hear stories. People like narrative. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, this history will be more accessible to people who aren't necessarily Ottoman history uh, Ottoman historians. Excellent. Uh, he did. He did certainly have an interesting life, as as you uh, chronicle. And I think on that, uh, we'll, I was hoping to maybe transition to to some of the major stages in his life that you speak to in the book. Um, one of the, the mo most important or earliest sort of pivotal moments, uh, it seems, in Vosif's life uh, was the war with Russia fought, between, fought with the Ottoman Empire from uh, 1768 to 1774. And I was wondering uh, how, Va what Vasa's experiences were in that conflict and how that shaped his, uh, thinking about the Ottoman empire at this time. Of course. Uh, well, that war is, I think 
the pivotal moment of the 18th century for the Ottoman Empire. It was a shock. It was it was a shock to, I don't maybe not say all Ottoman elites, but certainly the, the majority of them. These uh, these administrators and scribes and other members of the Ottoman elite uh, in the 18th century were really socialized into this idea that the Ottoman Empire was uh, somehow exceptional, that it was specially blessed by God, that it was qualitatively better than uh, all other dynasties and polities, past, present, and future. Um, the idea that Christian Europe could be superior somehow to the to the empire was more or less inconceivable. So the fact that the Ottomans went to war with Russia and lost so badly to them um, was uh, it provoked a good deal of anxiety. Vasif took. Vasif himself took part directly in the war. Uh, he was uh, he was on the war front uh, for at certain periods. Uh, he was captured at some point by the Russians and taken to Saint Petersburg for a number of months. Although uh, it's not exactly clear how long he was there, uh, and then later was released, came back, and uh, took part in some major negotiations with the Russians. So Vasif experienced this firsthand, um, and I try to argue in the book that. Uh, this experience, this sort of catal- it's, it's a ca- it, this this experience was a catalyst for for um, many of the different intellectual debates uh, that went on in the rest of the century. Um, it was very productive, actually. I think um, this I refer to this at one point as a as a col- the collapse of the Ottoman ideology of exceptionalism, um, and at least as I see it. It was this sort of anxiety provoked by the war, which was driving discussions over things like political reform in the 1780s uh, and 1790s, um, over issues like uh, there was a big debate over the moral and political virtues of peacemaking with non-Muslim powers uh, and others. So uh, the war was important. It was a catalyst for sure. All right. So the, and then so you mentioned briefly um the uh, encounter that Vasif has with some of these Russian uh, diplomats and, and when he's, he's taken briefly to Russia. Um, shortly after, he is then uh, sent to Spain in what you call an honorable exile. I was wondering if, if you could talk a bit about how his interactions uh, on a much more intimate level with uh, European diplomats at this time might have shaped his thinking. Right. Does does Vasif in, in any way uh, try to pull European ideas and, and uh, observations that he makes with uh, the, the more traditional uh, Islamic or Ottoman uh, training that he would have had? Yes, this is a great question. And, and it's a hard one, too. Um, there's certainly a problem of sources um, when it comes to this uh, and brings me back maybe to the limitations of, of what we can do in a biography for the Ottoman Empire, because these, these sorts of things that you're asking about are usually not said, at least from the Ottoman perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have, we don't have Vasif or one of his peers uh, writing explicitly that, well, I went to Spain and, you know, they were talking about political economy and I thought that that, sound, that sounded like a pretty good idea. So I, right. <laughs> I decided to, to adopt it. Uh, it's never, it's never so simple. Uh, and it's also never, uh, it's also never a matter of, of Western impact that these, these, these Ottoman scribes were having encounters and um, just sort of absorbing what they observed. Um, it was, as you said, a matter of t- 
taking what they already knew, the frameworks that they had already, uh, and perhaps um, adjusting what they saw outside of the empire to these frameworks. Re- I mean, it was it was always repackaged as as, as um, repackaged according to uh, their own concepts. Um, what I've tried to do in Ottoman uh, in Vosif's, uh in the chapter on Vosif's time in Spain and in his interactions with the Russians, um, in some points I'm I'm really forced to speculate because I can't say for certain. But more broadly, I've tried to trace shifts in the way he talks about certain things over the course of, of decades from the 1770s through the 1780s, 1790s, into the 19th century. So just for example, uh, Vossov says a lot over the course of his career about uh, engaging or not engaging with non-Muslim powers. Um, and you can see quite a distinct shift in this over the course of his over the course of time, so he goes from talking about uh, engagement in the 1780s in a very grudging way that he says uh, the Ottomans should should only make peace with the Russians as as he puts it the lesser of two evils the, the sort of I guess a choice that's not quite as bad um, to in the 1790s after he comes back from Spain uh, fully adopting the idea. Of uh, of reciprocal permanent diplomatic ties with non-Muslim countries, including Russia, um, I, I I'm not sure if I can say that this is just Vosif's journey, um, or whether he's sort of breathing in the zeitgeist of the times. Uh, certainly, there were other Ottomans who came to the same conclusions. This is when Sultan Selim III uh, sends out permanent Ottoman diplomats abroad for the first time, and. Um, so Vosov was certainly not the only one who was onto this. Again, I think that he's representative here. Okay. Um, and so since, since you brought up uh, Sultan Selim III, usually seen as uh, a, a major reformer, another uh, turning point in Ottoman history, um, I was wondering if you could share with the viewers a little bit about how um, Ahmed Vosov uh, fit in with that change what he thought about uh the the new sultan and 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 the war that was going on at the beginning of selim the third's reign hmm. well um Vosif was definitely a partisan of selim the third in fact he was one of his majors he became one of his major mouthpieces uh Vosif under selim uh was uh, very frequently the he very frequently held the position of the court historian or Vakanuvis. Uh, so he was he was tasked with with writing the history, the sort of the, the dynastic history of the empire, um, the, the officially endorsed history. Um, he also used the history, though, to to justify and to argue for the things that Selim was doing for this uh, program of reforms Selim had started. The new order reforms, usually uh, uh, we call them Nizami Jadid. So Vasif uh, wrote this this enormous history of his Charms and Truths of Relics and Annals is how I've uh, translated it. It's about 2,500 folios long. So the thing is huge. Vasif spends a good deal of time in this work talking uh, about the reforms, justifying them intellectually. Uh, it's, it's always put as a matter of restoration, that this is uh, what, what the Sultan is doing is restoring what 
what Ottomans called the order of the world, uh, making, I, I mean, to put it in, to put it in um, a, a very contemporary context, uh, these guys were all, were all about making the empire great again, mega, right? Reform is all about restoration for them. So one of the major agendas in Vossif's Chronicle is to do precisely this and to, 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 to create an intellectual platform for these reforms. Um, I, I was struck by uh, by how how both conservative and and yet progressive or forward thinking these sorts of reforms are. Right? I mean, normally when we hear discussions of the Ottoman reform period, it's usually thinking about how to reconcile the Ottoman Empire with modernity, right? Um, and yet this was also sort of a backward looking as you mentioned right looking to uh to previous uh, ages when the ottoman empire was great um and I, I found that that uh that to be very interesting i think it blurs some of the distinctions that we have oftentimes between uh the modern and the traditional the past and the present yeah for sure um i hope that i didn't i hope that i haven't overplayed this hand in in the title of the book, the first of the modern Ottomans, but I do think that Vossif and this generation were very much transitional. Um, uh, and there was definitely this, this tension, which you talk about between what you might call the traditional and the modern. Um, but the reforms that they're talking about are indeed looking back to the past and using these, in many cases, uh, very well-established, very, very old at least a few hundred years old conceptual frameworks of, uh, you know, talking about the order of the world as this uh, unchanging primordial, uh, um, unchanging and primordial sort of way that the world should be, uh, and that the way to make the empire great again is to restore balance to the order of the world. They talk about this a lot, um, but in fact, I think if we look closely at Vossif and his colleagues, it's at, it's, at that, it's at this period, late 18th century or early 19th century, that we really start to see many of these older conceptual frameworks start to erode or break down. So that um, by the time Vossif dies in 1806, uh, Ottoman intellectuals are still are still discussing reform in term in, in the same terms, but the things that they're the things that they're talking about, um, I don't think it's hard it's hard to say that that um, say as Vo, in one in one section of his chronicle, Vossif proposes um, taking orphans and beggars off the street and conscripting them by force and putting them in military academies uh, to train them as soldiers. This is not something that you can easily justify according to uh, according to earlier Ottoman understandings of social order. You are not supposed to mix social groups like that. Soldiers are soldiers. Uh, artisans are artisans. Farmers are farmers. Uh, you're not supposed to mix social groups like this. So I think that that's just a good example of, of, of showing that they're really pushing these, these older frameworks to the breaking point. Uh, and it wouldn't be that much... It's, it, it's not that much longer down the road in the 1830s and 1840s that, I mean, many of these ideas have ceased, ceased to have any power anymore, these conceptual frameworks. Interesting. So, uh, well, and, and it is, as, as you say, then a, a period of crossroads, right, with, with the empire. Um, I'm, I'm curious if you could speak a little bit um, 
about how uh, Ahmed Vasif diagnoses the problems going on in the empire. Um, who does he lay the the blame uh, upon? <laughs> <laughs> Whose fault exactly. is it? Right. Um. So this 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 raises the this raises the issue of Ottoman decline. Vasif is certainly a declinist. Um, he he believes that the empire more or less peaked in about the year 1790, which is, um, if you do the math, the, the Islamic millennium. Vasif has a really interesting diagnosis of what went wrong with the empire. I mean, a, a lot of earlier uh, Ottoman intellectuals like to trot out uh, the Arab historian Ibn Khaldun and talk about how uh, all, all dynasties on earth go through certain cycles and there's a rise and, and proliferation and then a decline and collapse. Um, Vasif is not I, interestingly, he's not an Ibn Khaldunist, and he instead has this uh, rather idiosyncratic understanding of what happened. So he claims, and he, he's using a specific, uh, a specific concept that became um, very popular during the 1790s under Selim III. It was this idea of uh, reciprocity, um, meeting like for like. I don't, it, there's not a good translation. The, the Arabic is muqabale bin mithl. Mm. Now, originally, what this meant was that uh, uh, this was this was a legal precept, uh, meaning that it was it was permissible to adopt, say, new technology or new tactics from your enemy, from your non-Muslim enemy, in order to use against them. Vasif takes this idea and he expands it in very interesting ways. So he he claims um, that this principle of reciprocation is sort of like uh, a motor in, in history, that all groups in history have uh, borrowed from their enemies to use these technologies and ideas against them. And he said that the Ottomans were particularly good at this, re- at this uh, reciprocation up until the 1590s, when, for various reasons, he said, uh, they, got, um, they got complacent uh, and stopped stopped abiding by the principle. Meanwhile, he says, the, the, their European adversaries uh, started, started doing the exact opposite. They started borrowing from the Ottomans and using Ottoman technology against them. Uh, and so his, uh, and again, this is, this is an art, a way that he's arguing for Selim, Selim's reforms as well. He says that in order for the empire to truly be great again, Ottomans have to return to this principle of uh, reciprocation or reciprocity, borrow from uh, the Europeans and use those European technologies and tactics uh, in their own in their own armed forces. And it doesn't just stop necessarily at uh, at the military realm. I mean, they're also they're also um, looking to the European example in in diplomacy uh, and to a certain extent admin, in administration too. I was wondering then how, since we were talking about this notion of Ottoman decline, how you see your work uh, fitting in with uh, the the debate that had raged on for, for decades about Ottoman decline. So you have earlier historians, uh, Bernard Lewis and others, uh, reading a lot of the declinists like Ahmed Vasif and, and uh, sort of taking their accounts um, 
you know, basically at face value and saying, oh, well, clearly the Ottoman Empire was declining at this period. Look at all of these Ottoman officials saying so. Um, then revisionist historians, as, as I'm sure you know, uh, come along, Roger Owen, Andre Ramon and others, um, and dispute this, pointing out, uh, you know, ways in which the Ottoman Empire was expanding and, and still growing and, and so forth. Um, and I was wondering uh, how your study of Ahmed Vasif uh, has has helped you to think through these issues and what insights you may have on this? Yeah, this, this is another great question. Um, I think it's helpful to always keep in mind that uh, decline was, has always first and foremost been um, a product of the Ottomans' own historical imagination, the way that they were thinking about the history of their empire. Uh, and that if you take the idea of an Ottoman decline in academic works, in Western academic works, it ultimately goes back to these, these Ottoman voices, like you were saying, these, you know, you have your Kochi Bey and Khatib Cherebi and others. And Vasif was, he definitely shared in this too, as I was just saying, he definitely believed sincerely that the Ottoman, that the empire was in decline. Um, I don't want my, I, I mean, I, I don't want readers uh, of my book to lose sense of the fact that there was by Vasif's age, quite a good, quite a big deal of danger that the empire was in. Um, Vasif is not just speaking idly. Um, by the by, the end of the 18th century, uh, the Ottoman Empire was certainly losing wars. It was on the verge of bankruptcy, uh, and you could you could argue that. Uh, by the end of Sultan Selim III's reign, uh, it was questionable whether it would survive much longer. Personally, I don't have I don't have that much of a problem in talking about uh, some sort of Ottoman decline by this period, by the late 18th century, or early 19th century, at least Ottoman decline with a small d. Uh, and that mainly, mainly, I'm, I'm talking about political power here, right? So the Ottoman the Ottoman Empire this period. Uh, if you're just talking about its ability to project power within its within within its, within its own boundaries or abroad, uh, the Ottoman Empire in 1800 is quite a bit weaker than the Ottoman Empire in 1700 or 1600, for that matter. Uh, but I certainly don't buy in buy into the idea of a general Ottoman decline by any means. Um, in fact, what I hope the book has done, if anything, is show that. Uh, during this during this period of political weakness, uh, there was there was a marked degree of intellectual debate and vigor going on in the empire, at least uh, as I trace it in these in these circles of intellectuals and scribes in Istanbul. Certainly, I think it's, it was else, it was elsewhere too, but I'm only looking at these guys. Hmm. Well, and so that takes me then to uh, the the peak of Ahmed Vasif's career, which uh, is toward the end of his life, right? The the very opening years of uh, the 19th century. Can you describe for our readers uh, a little bit about about what that peak looked like? Vasif's time as chief scribe, the height of his career, as you said, uh, is kind of an anticlimax. I mean, he he aspired to this position, the, the head of the Ottoman bureaucracy for his entire career, his entire adult life. He finally makes it in 1805, and he's actually given the opportunity for once to take all of these ideas that he's been forming um, and hopefully put them into practice. It doesn't end up working out for him very well, though. Uh, he turns out to be kind of a mediocre chief scribe. Um, 
he bungles through some negotiations with with the Russians uh, over a contentious treaty of alliance. And in doing so, <laughs> uh, in doing so, uh, pushes the empire forward on its way to another into another war with the Russian Empire. Uh, he doesn't actually live to see this war. Um, he's he's the chief scribe for only a short period of time before he falls ill and then dies. Um, but shortly after shortly after his death, these events that he's helped put into motion uh, lead to. Uh, lead to the, the, the outbreak of another, another round of hostilities between the Ottomans and the Russians. The Russians invade the Ottoman Empire, and shortly thereafter, uh, in part due to the, the circumstances of the war, Vasif's patron, Sultan Selim, uh, is dethroned. Many of Vasif's peers are uh, hunted down and murdered by people who were opposed to the new order reforms. And then uh, the following year, Sultan Selim himself is killed. So Vasif's time, the last chapter of his life is, as I said, kind of an anticlimax. Um, he was probably sort of lucky in that he didn't live much longer than he did, though. I think that he would have been probably one of the lead names on the list of these, uh, of these Janissary opponents of Selim um, when they started hunting down their enemies. Hmm. Vasif had these grand ambitions himself, and he talks about them in his history that he... Uh, he claims that uh, his history rivals the best histories of ancient uh, of, of medieval Persia, um, and he's he's uh, he's the best that the Ottoman Empire has ever produced. Uh, he has these very grand ideas of of his what his legacy will be, and that also didn't really quite work out the way he thought it would. Uh, his history was um, popular for a period um, into into the into the uh, the mid. 19th century, at which point um, another better known nowadays Ottoman historian Ahmet Jevdet came along uh, and completely rewrote the period of much of the period that Ahmet Vasif wrote and superseded his work. Nobody nobody reads those those portions of Vasif's history that Jevdet wrote. I mean, it's possible Jevdet uh, took a lot from Vasif. I I certainly enjoyed reading uh, through this account. It's it's a, a He's a fascinating figure, as you mentioned, uh, who there are many really interesting episodes in his life. Um, and I, uh, I guess I just wanted to turn it back to you, give you the, the, the final word on, on Ahmed Vasif. Is, is there anything else that, uh, that you would like our uh, listeners to take away from this? Any insights? I think, I think I'll just come back to the idea that this, that, the story that I'm telling is the story of a transitional generation. Um, Vasif and his peers um, were the first generation of Ottomans to face. Uh, they were the first generation of Ottomans to face some unprecedented problems. So, for example, they were probably the last generation of Ottoman elites to be to be raised in an empire that uh, could go it alone, that had the respect, uh, the respect of its of its neighbors in Europe, uh, and to a certain extent, could could even push them around. Um, they grew up in that sort of world. Uh, they remembered it, or at least thought they remembered those days when the empire was still actually exceptional. 
By the end of their lives, though, um, things had changed completely. The empire was no longer a respected power on the global stage. Uh, it's, it was being pushed around by hostile powers like Russia. Um, and the world that their children grew into was completely different. Their children only knew an empire uh, that was on the, the political stage, enfeebled, that was unstable and bankrupt. Um, so I'm trying to tell through Vosif the story of this, uh, this generation that's a bridge between two eras in the empire's history uh, and how they understood the world, how they tried to intervene, um, and how they tried to... Uh, the ultimate aim was, was, was making the empire great again, wasn't it? Restoration. Perhaps this holds lessons for us. Perhaps indeed. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for for talking about the the book with us. Um, we like to end with uh, just a, a question on a, a more personal note, and, and that is: uh, now that you've written uh, this this chronicle of sorts, this biography of of Ahmed Vassif, um, what is what are the next steps for you? What uh, what new projects are you perhaps uh, considering? Well. Um, I've started working on, uh, well, thank you for asking. I've started working more recently on uh, something completely different, a project in Ottoman theology. So it's still intellectual history, but rather more um, rarefied air, dealing with things like uh, fate and free will and predestination. Uh, on the other hand, I, I have always thought that I enjoyed writing this biography of Vasov so much that I'd really like to do it again if it's possible. And I have some ideas of people who I think would be, would be uh, great subjects for future biographical studies. We certainly need more of them in Ottoman history. I mean, there's only a handful written in the last 30 years. Absolutely. So we can make the Ottoman Empire great again. We can make biography great again, too, perhaps. Huh? <laughs> Sounds well, great. thank you yeah. so much, uh, Dr. Menchinger, uh, for, for sitting down with us and, uh, and sharing this, this really interesting chronicle with us. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Josh. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.